Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Connecting to the big show. In three, two, one. My wife has been missing listening to it, and it's crazy because she's such a cutie. I've gone through at the home I represent her with her until the Arctic. So yeah. they can't get the answers. How do people going to get the answers? Clean over hard work and to get nothing at the end of it is very, very hard. Join the conversation. Call 0818 96 96 96. Extra WhatsApp 083 396 96 96. Email opinion at 96FM.ie. This is the opinion line with PJ Coogan. Parks 96. So I'm driving in this morning up the Grand Parade. I wouldn't put the exact time on it. I wasn't looking at the clock. But there it was, on the Grand Parade. The yoke with all the brushes. The little gadget that's supposed to be broken and, and waiting on parts and they're braming brakes. There it was, on the Grand Parade this morning. The, the, the cleaning vehicle with the brushes. Maybe, maybe are calling them out on the Mankey Streets yesterday may have gotten someone's finger out of somewhere uh, and they although is it too much to ask for and then they come in and there's a statement on the desk which I'll get to in a while which is somewhere in between we know there's a problem and nothing to see here but I'll give you more of that in more detail in a wee while but we had a big response yesterday to just calling it out on on the Mankey streets and you know I was commenting on Twitter last night Wayne Stansfield was thanking us for the opportunity to to make his point and have his say and it's always a pleasure to have Wayne on the show but with regard to our our dirty streets and our manky city centre I'm using the word repeatedly because hell that's what it is right now yes you can wear the red jersey with pride and we do every day here and we'll push the positive better than anybody on this here radio programme and right across the radio station but Right now, that red red jersey is in bad need of a wash. It's very worn and threadbare, and it looks absolutely awful. And it needs to be cleaned, and so do our streets. So that's and and it's quite okay to wear the red jersey and wave the red flag, but to at the same time to go, sorry lads, all is not okay, all is not hunky dory, all is not happy. The place is manky. So get your fingers out and clean it up. Uh, and I don't care what they'll come up with. Regard to, uh, I'll, I'll go through the statement for you in a little while. Um, if it frustrates you half as much as it frustrated me this morning, you'll know what I mean. 
Anyway, 0818 96 96 96, the number, the text or WhatsApp, 083 396 96 96. The email is opinion at 96fm.ie. I guarantee you to play this between 10 and 11. I've been back in Elroy's. Encore un far from Sash is today's Ibiza song and we will play it between 10 and 11. When we do, you text the word Ibiza and your name to 083 396 96 96 and we'll find a qualifier. That's all to come. Plus, more tickets and more free food uh, from our friends at The Everyman. That also coming during the morning. But first of all, I must go to Limerick because Kelsey wants to move to Cork and is looking to move to Cork because there's nothing, nothing whatsoever for you in Limerick, Kelsey, to the point that you are now living, camping out under a tree. Good morning. Good morning. Sleeping under trees. Yes, I was in touch with the homeless action team in Limerick. And I'm down to them every single day without fail. And they accepted me for half, but half is like, I can't find anything in Limerick with half. Mm. I explained my case to them. I told them that I'm an orphan. My mum and dad died when I was a very, very young age. And I suffer bad with my mental health and so forth. And they just told me that there's nothing that they can do for me. They just accepted me for half and there's no more that they can do. How long are you on your own in the world? Well, I was living with my aunt up until I was 17 and a half. Mm. And then I had moved out. When did your parents pass away? My mum had passed away when I was nine and my father passed when I was 11. Okay, I'm sorry to hear that. You're okay. So you're you're sleeping under trees like there isn't even a hostel, there's nothing? No, there's nothing. And I had a meeting with the Limerick City Council and I told him that they could come out and look at my situations and they refused to do so. Like, have you a tent or what have you got? Yes, a tent. I sent them photos and every time I go down there, they just keep refusing me away from the door. And how much HAP are you entitled to? 608 euros. A month. A month. That's not a whole lot of money. No. But you're, you've given up on Limerick. You want to try and come to Cork. That's not as easy as just getting on a bus, is it? No, it's not. There's a lot of work to be done to it. What do you have to do? I mean, you've, you've looked into it, obviously. What would you have to do to come and try and live down here? I was looking on rent.ie for accommodation and everything, but I just, I don't seem to be finding anything. I have yeah. to move away from, like, all my friends and my family just moved to Cork to get accommodation because there's nothing available in Limerick. Yeah. there's not. It's not great down here either. I know that. But I just like to go and make a fresh start for myself because I am only 20 years old since April and I had a tough life growing up with losing my parents. Are you working? No, I'm not working. Okay. One thing you would not be short of if you came to Cork would be a job. There's loads of work here. Yes, that's what I'm planning on doing, just moving to Cork, get my accommodation, and then looking for work. You're looking for advice, is it, as to how you might go about it, how you might get started? Yes. One thing we know is it's difficult because if you come down here and try to register here with the services, they'll say to you, well, why aren't you in Limerick? Yeah, I understand that. Yeah. But I just don't know what to do. I'm in a very awkward situation. It's like... I'm just going around the clock and I'm getting over with these people. 
Yeah, I know. It's affecting my mental health. I suffer from depression. Mm. Um, they have all my letters. They have everything they need. And they offered me youth housing for young people. Yeah. But I went to meet um, the homeless action team at the council. And they had told me that I could be waiting maybe a year to 18 months right. to get into youth housing. Like, it's okay now in the summer, but living where you are is not sustainable. No, it's not, and it's not safe. And oh. they know my situation. I, just, I keep telling them every morning, and some mornings I could ring, I could go down, they're not answering me. I could ring the council. I ring the council the other day, and the lady in the office had answered me on the phone. And she said, well, if he has no inquiries for you or he has no information, you won't be getting through to him. He won't be answering. We're getting transferred um, to the voicemail. That's what I had gone through to. Yeah. You're, you're, you're not getting anywhere with them. No, I went to CDs. I went to solicitors. I have I done everything in my power. And I'm just getting over. Where did you used to live before this happened to you? Well, I lived in a caravan down the dock road. But my caravan then had got robbed and broke up. I don't know who did it. But then I was left homeless. I see. And and how long have you been under the tree in the in the tent? Um, the last three to four months. Oh, crikey. Okay. That's tough. And if there was someone to help you with a start in Cork, how quickly would you be able to get here? I skipped the train. Straight away, like? Yeah. Kelsey, I don't know what to say to you other than to to wish you well. Like, there's no way, there's no family or no remaining relatives in Limerick that you could move back in with, is there? No, all my family's houses are full and they have no room for me. Now, some nights I could stay with a friend, but that wouldn't be every night. Because they have their own kids. I see. They have nowhere to put me, really. Cork is fairly bleak as things stand, Kelsey, but I really do hope that if you come down here, you'll be able to find something. Yeah, I hope so, too. The best of luck. Thanks very much. You're welcome. You're hard to go out to her, wouldn't it? Um, she's sleeping under a tree in Limerick right now, looking to get to Cork. Because she thinks there's better opportunities here. Can anybody help? Anybody have any ideas? The one thing she'll face, I'm almost sure of it, is that because she's on the books with the council in Limerick, as soon as she presents herself down here, then she'll be told, oh, go back to Limerick. Because that's kind of what they do. They say, go back to where you came from. We have nothing for you. But there's nothing for her up in Limerick either. Can anybody help? Can anybody give her a first start? She said she'd get a train straight away or a bus straight away to come down if there's any start for her. And she's quite willing to get a job and support herself. She's entitled to HAP. She'd be entitled to it here just like she's entitled to it there. If we can do anything for her, if anybody can do anything for her, then definitely. Um, we, uh, yeah, uh, John says, and why doesn't she ask for a modular home? Don't get me started on the modular homes. And I watched a video and read quite a lot over the weekend about the new modular homes that are down in, is it Mahan? And they're lovely. A video of what's inside. They're just fabulous. They really are fabulous, and there's about 60 of them, and the Ukrainians will be housed in them for up to three years, and then they'll go into the housing list system. There's a few of these little developments up and down the country. But you know, as I stand 
I sit here listening to Kelsey, and I've listened to many more besides. And I'm thinking, and you are allowed to think this way. It's great that we are helping out the people coming from Ukraine. It's great that we have managed to build these modular homes and have them ready, and they are lovely. Look up the videos, you'll find them all over the, all over the socials. Where's Kelsey's modular home? Do you know? It's great that we can do it for the Ukrainians. Don't begrudge it to any of them. I think it's, it's great. You know, you'd be very proud as an Irishman that your country puts up its hand and says, we'll help. But while at the same time, Kelsey's sleeping under a tree. <laughs> I don't know about you, but those things don't sit comfortably together in my head. 0818969696. Um, I'll I'll do this after the break, guys. I'll go through the the the, the statement from from City Hall after the break because I'm I'm kind of cross actually, having read it there in more detail. 0818969696. Join the conversation. This is the opinion line with Hidden Hearing, focused solely on your hearing health for over thirty five years. They're all ears. Visit hiddenhearing.ie. Cox ninety six. Corks 96 FM's Week in Ibiza. Week in Ibiza. Listen to Win Your Way to the World's Most Famous Party Island. <laughs> Party Island. <laughs> Just watch me dance. Seven nights at the Wiki Woo Hotel. Tickets to David Guetta, Joe Corey, and Ocean Beach. Dinner at Cafe Mambo for the famous Ibiza Sunset. And spending money. Spending money. Are you ready? Summertime. Oh, yeah. Stay listening to Cork's 96 FM weekdays for the biggest hits of the White Isles. Then text or WhatsApp in for your chance to win. Win. Win your way to a week in Ibiza. Only on Cork's 96 FM. So in the wake of our discussion yesterday morning about the manky state of the streets and the photographs going around social media over the weekend and my own observations when I popped in on Sunday for a a message. They were an absolute disgrace. I took calls from Wayne Stansfeld about trying to run a business in the middle of it all. Rose and other people rang me about the state of the place and we did ask Cork City Council for a statement. (laughs) There was some story over the weekend that Brexit was being blamed for the fact that some of the gear was off the road. I, I don't buy that and I won't buy that. But anyway, we got a, a statement from City Council. Uh, they said that they note, <laughs> they note, the recent commentary on the condition of the streets in Cork City. In other words, they've been told about it. Or, morning lads, they all listen to us in there. Cork City Council's street, street, street cleaning staff have always taken pride in their work and continue to do so. As if we had questioned it. Don't push that button. We've never questioned that. Anyway, recently there were issues with the city centre street scrubbing machine. This didn't affect the condition of the streets as alternative washing mechanisms were deployed to address the temporary loss. The key issue, which occurs every summer during dry spells, is the increased visibility of staining on the granite, which would normally not be as pronounced during wet weather. Sweet God. 
City Council staff have been redeployed to pressure washing on both the early morning shift and the evening shift, hitting the worst affected areas. In other words, they're going to do more pressure washing and they have also explained how they've procured a contractor to deep clean and pressure wash the city centre at a cost of about 30000 And then they say... It is very important to understand that personal responsibility is key to keeping Cork City's streets clear of staining and discoloration. Staining and discoloration is not a natural phenomenon. It only occurs when a person spills their alcoholic drink, fizzy drink, food or other beverages onto the public pavement. We're also looking to work with businesses in the city to get them involved in the cleaning of the area of footpath outside of their premises. Such schemes are very common and in place in most cities around the world. And here we go again. The key issue is the recent spell of good weather, which has highlighted the staining due to spillages on the city streets. We're confident that the current and ongoing increased cleaning measures, which have been put in place, will improve matters over the coming weeks. So, it's not Brexit, at least not today. It's dry weather. As if no other city in Europe gets dry weather in June. So our streets are manky because of, well, there is a broken machine out there, but mostly they're manky because of the the dry weather. Christ. As Sister Michael might say. But I, I, I take issue, I must say, with the um, suggestion in the second line of that statement. It says, Cork City Council's street cleaning staff have always taken pride in their work and continue to do so. We know that. I see them every morning. I saw them this morning as I was driving into town. They're, the, they're some of the hardest working people in the city. They were out in all weathers, at all times of the year, sometimes in the pitch black, the frozen wet mornings of winter they're out. And they're out in the summertime too. They work every mo- they work like dogs, these people, every morning to get the streets presentable. But they can't take the mank off the granite. Anyway, the brushing machine was out this morning. And I think Frances Bonner, who spoke to me yesterday, the tour guide, she was back on to say that, was it last evening, Eames? She was taking a tour and she said that the streets were pristine. That they had been cleaned. <laughs> About time. That's good to hear. So someone's listening. Somebody's listening. But remember now. <laughs> it's down to the dry weather. Christ. Oh, eight one eight. Yeah, streets and phone boxes had been cleaned yesterday afternoon. That's good to read. I know that down in Oliver Plunkett Street, my pal Aidan down there at IT Repairs often sends me pictures of the state of the place and the state of the phone booth near there, which gets used occasionally as a toilet and even more occasionally as a place to have sex. I'm sorry, but they do. Um, And it's manky and dirty and filthy. He sends me pictures regularly. And the bus shelters had been cleaned yesterday afternoon. Good, good, good. Credit, actually, credit where it's due. Over the long weekend, there was a bus shelter destroyed 
up on Maryborough Hill, right opposite the bus the bus shelter, actually, where I stand to get the bus into town or the bus into work. And it got vandalised on, was it the Saturday? It was the Saturday of the June weekend. It was smashed and broken. All the glass was broken. And on Sunday, there was people out cleaning it, which I thought was very impressive. To be fair, credit must be given where credit is due. Your thoughts on any of that? 0818 96 96 96. Now, yesterday I talked to Mary about the attempt, the attempted scam on her ma'am. Someone on the phone, very determined, rang the landline, claimed they were from the bank. Her ma'am went checking for her card, but ma'am was fairly sharp and, and they figured out what was going on. And it led to the usual deluge of comments and texts and tweets about scams that are coming into our phones every day, every single day. But Monica got on to us. Monica, you think there's another scam going on involving uh, a a tradesman that came to your house. Morning. Good morning. Hi. Oh, my gosh. Uh, Thank you so much. I just felt when I heard you talking about this, I just felt I should just share my story so nobody falls (laughs) victim of this. So, yes, so I, I was trying to get a new cotton reel installed because uh, we accidentally pulled down the last one. And I was trying to do it myself, but it just wasn't working. So I went online and I went on to bark.com, which is a website where you can get like electricians, carpenters, yeah. yeah. and even like handyman. So I put in the request there. And literally within like 30 minutes, I got a call back from this individual and he said he was around my area and he was going to come down. And I was like, oh, fantastic. That's great. So he came in anyway, uh, a young looking lad, I think was probably like in his early 20s or something. Then I showed him what needed to be done. Then I also had some cabinets that needed to be installed. So I asked him how much and he said, okay, it, it was very cagey, you know. And you know, this is when sometimes you should listen to your instincts. But I, was, I felt like... I got him through a reputable website, I felt. And if I, there was any problem, I could go back to them. Yeah. So I then, uh, so he was asking me how much I wanted to pay. I was like, that's not really technically how we do it. That's kind of not how it happens. No, no, thank yeah. you. Yeah. <laughs> so that was when I was getting a little uh, sketchy. So I told him, well, you tell me because you are the one that you're doing the work. So he showed, uh, then he told me he was going to charge. I think he started off with like a 200 euro. Then I was like, no, that's a bit too much because it was literally putting back the coaching rules. I already have them. And then with the carbonite, he said he was going to need some supplies. He was going to need like some wood to get and whatever. So yeah. I was like, okay, that's fine. So we ended up at 150. Yeah. Then he said he would need a deposit. So I was like, okay, I, I can give you 50 quid. Then he goes, no, he needs more because uh, he would need to get supplies. I just felt, okay, that's all right. Um, then I didn't even have the cash on me then. So he went back to his van. I went to the ATM, got the money. And then he said he was going to give me a receipt. But it ended up being like literally like a paper where he wrote the date, wrote his name, and also wrote um, and the amount and whatever. So yeah. he signed it. I signed it. I was like, okay, that's fine. So he said he was going to do some measurements. But now thinking back, he actually never did. Uh, he basically walked off and told me he was going to come back on Sunday between 10 and 12 and have it done. Okay. So I said, fine. So here was on Sunday waiting, and then at about quarter past 12, I rang, uh, he wasn't there. So I rang the number, and then I realized my number had been blocked. Ah. So, uh, yeah. So I tried multiple times, and then I actually got a friend of mine to ring, and that number, uh, his number went through. 
before your man didn't pick up. So I was, that was when I, re- I realized it was definitely my number that was blocked. I also sent a text. I was like, where are you? You took my money. And then I sent an email to Bark.com and that was over almost 24 hours ago. Okay. Well, they may, they may or may not come back to you. They're a reputable business, but you have pictures, Monica. Yes, because I felt a little bit uneasy. So I just decided when he was walking away, I just went, I was looking at the window, I was pretending like we were saying goodbye myself and my dog, but I had my phone. So I took pictures of him going to his van. I took pictures of his van as well. I have his reg as well. So I have all that. Uh, but I didn't want to take pictures of the house because I thought, okay, you got this guy from a reputable website. and yeah. don't need to do it in But just when he was leaving and then he hadn't done the measurements, I was like... This guy is a little bit sketchy, but let me just uh, let me just take this and just see. So I have pictures of him, yeah. Yeah. When he said to you, "I'll be out Sunday morning," you're a doctor, so working Sunday means nothing. But but did, did, were you were you um, were you surprised that he'd come Sunday? No, because I just thought it was a, a, a small job anyway. So and if that was when he was free, then that, that was fine. I so gotcha. I was like, yeah. Yeah. That, I would have kind of said Sunday. Okay, grand. All right, yeah. <laughs> because I was, I was in, I was doing like on Saturday anyway, so it didn't seem unusual that somebody was working on a Sunday. I know, I know, yeah. I know. What you mean? Well, now I maybe that. Uh, you you, you <laughs> have, you have all the details. You've, you've complained to Bark. Let's see what happens, Monica. Okay, I no. think I'm also going to go to the guards. I know it's a hundred euro, but I think it's just disingenuous. Well, it's and your hundred euro. It's, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I would, I would make a gather report, particularly if you have all the detail and pictures yeah. of his van. I would be inclined to make a gather report. Yeah, yeah, I will. I, I definitely would. Yeah, just so people can be uh, if they can find him. Yeah, it's not even about the money. It's just imagine if he did somebody to. Did well, the well here's the that. thing, Monica. What yeah. if it's what if it's he came to your house and took hundred from you and went to the house down the road and took a hundred from them? Yeah, yeah. You know, so we'll we'll see what happens. I would say make the guy the report. Right, definitely would. We'll talk soon. Take care. All right. So thank you. Cheers, Monica. Yeah, let us know what happened, or what happens when you bring it to to the guys and make a report. I know it's only a hundred quid. It's her hundred quid, and if he was doing it three or four times a day. Now look, if the guy is genuine and he comes back to her, then all is forgiven. It's a misunderstanding. But she's got her suspicions. 0818969696 on modular homes and uh, housing the Ukrainians. Uh, you never hear this mentioned, says Bill, but they get money from the EU for housing, the region of 8 million or so. That's the explanation. But I don't know how the government can sleep at night with the rate of homelessness. I think that's that's help with the... Ukrainian situation and and that's yeah we know that there's there's funding coming in for that there's a funding stream coming in to help with things like the modular homes for the Ukrainians but at the moment the last thing the government can do and we're already into a budget cycle even though it's not until October the last thing the government can do is say they don't have money because they have they've got massive surpluses and we know that there's there's more money washing around in the coffers these days than there's been for a very long time. We have full employment and massive corporation tax. And yes, some of it is windfall in nature. But I was just working it out. Those modular homes down in Mahan, I think I read in the paper that it's 145,000 each to get them built and put on utilities and have everything tickety-boo that you could open the front door furnished and 
the whole lot. 145 grand. A billion euro out of the enormous surplus that we have. Just one billion euro would buy and install and open 7,000 of those. So it would make a fair little dent in the housing problem. All this week, our friends are with us from the Everyman. Uh, they've launched their summer season. Great season ahead. Uh, Buffy revamped is coming in. Potted Potter. Bridesmaids. Tom Crean is back yet again. If you've never seen that show, see that show. I will have tickets for it later in the week. Uh, EverymanCork.com for all the tickets and all the details of the season. But every day I have a pair of tickets and dinner for you for a show that is coming up. Today it is bopping at the drive-in and dinner before that at the Metropole. I mean, how handy could that be? Just pop in next door, have the grub and they have a new menu at the Metropole as well. Um, and then into the everyman for bopping at the drive-in. What you need to do if you want to win that is identify this star of stage and screen. Who is this? The only respectable thing about you, old sport, is your money. Your money, that's it. I have just as much as you. That means we're equal. Who is that? His name and yours, please. 2083-396-9696. The only respectable thing about you, old sport, is your money. Your money, that's it. I have just as much as you. That means we're equal. Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Line. With Hidden Hearing, changing lives with the latest hearing health technology. They're all ears. Visit hiddenhearing.ie. Coach 96 FM. You guys ready? Watch out, watch out. Drive home weekdays from four on Corks ninety six FM. This week on the show, your chance to win the party holiday of a lifetime. Corks ninety six FM's week in Ibiza. You and a friend could be hanging out with this guy. Hi, this is David Gitter and this guy. Yo, what's up? This is Joel Corey in guaranteed sunshine. And your daily hit from the White Isle is guaranteed to play every evening on the Big Drive Home. When you hear it, get ready to text or WhatsApp in to win. Make sure you're with me every weekday from 4. The Big Drive Home. With Independence Music and Arts Festival. Magic and memories at Indy 23. Tickets at independencefestival.com Corks 96 FM Was somebody in your house uh, traumatised by Leaving Cert Honours Maths Paper 1 last week? It seems to have been an absolute animal of a paper and many people, including teachers hitting out at it. We had a few calls over the weekend from people very upset about it and a few messages yesterday. So we're going to look at it between 10 and 11 this morning. But was anybody in your house, did they come home shattered from that uh, Leaving Cert Paper 1 maths? I think the biggest problem from what I'm reading about it was that in, in all the years I was doing maths, you knew what was coming up on Paper 1 and you knew what was coming up on Paper 2. And I think they mixed the two together. That was, in my mind, an awful thing to do to people. But we'll see. Uh, they're going back anyway. Paper 2 seems to have been a much handier paper to do, which is great for them. That's after 10. 0818 96 96 96. And also between 10 and 11, I guarantee to play this. Right? That is today's Ibiza song. Sash. Encore une fois. Guaranteed a lash of that between 10 and 11. When you hear it, Ibiza and your name to 083 396 96 96. Now, a key report 
came out a couple of weeks ago called The Study on Familicide and Domestic and Family Violence Death. This was a study into exactly what it says on the tin. Domestic homicide and violence behind closed doors. And we've had so much of it over the years. So many cases of just things that happened behind the closed doors of a family house that would scare the living life out of you. And you wonder, how did it ever happen? Was there any sign of it coming? Was there any warning coming? And never were there any warnings that any of us saw or anyone around it saw. And this report is an interesting read. But one woman very disappointed with it is Una Butler. Una from Ballycotton. Una suffered her own tragedy in November of 2010 when her husband John murdered their two beautiful little daughters, Ella, who was two, and Zoe, who was six. He killed the two of them at their home in Ballycotton and then went out and took his own life. Now, John had been struggling with mental ill health. But since then, Una has been insisting that if she had known more about what John was going through and what John was telling his doctors and talking to the professionals about that he was dealing with, if she'd been involved in his treatment, she is 100% convinced that her children would still be alive today. Now, Una, you welcome this report. Uh, It's a very detailed report. I've only had really a look at the summary and some of the highlights of it. It's a very, very heavy reading in some parts. It's a welcome report, but you submitted your own statistics to this study on the kind of things that happen to you and happen to your beautiful children. They're not included. That study isn't included. So while you welcome the report, you're very disappointed with it. Morning, Una. Good morning, PJ. Um, it is, it's It's fantastic that um, domestic homicide in general has been um, reviewed in Ireland because there wasn't any re- any review or statistics out there before, officially. But um, because when I compiled my statistics, um, there wasn't anything there. So, you know, I found that, you know, 53 children had been murdered by a parent. Yes. Um, since 2000 in the Republic of Ireland. And that the parents that killed their children, over half of them, had previous had been contact with the psychiatric services or had been in contact with them at the time, but not all, you know, suffering with their mental health. That's a shocking statistic in itself, though, 53. 53 children, yeah. 37 cases and um, four feminicide cases in total where the whole family were wiped out, you yeah. know. But the connection I'm making is the mental illness of the, the parent that suffered with yeah. their health, you know, and that I feel that it's going unnoticed that they're not me. It's a major factor in in these awful cases. Like I believe that I keep trying because I believe that my children would be alive today had I been involved in the treatment of my husband. That's looking back in hindsight as well, you know. I know. Well, if it's not too painful to take you back there, Una, you've said to me many times in previous conversations, you firmly believe that if you'd known what John was saying to the people who were helping him he and Zoe and Ella might be here today. Why do you think that? Why do you believe that so fervently? 
Well, I suppose it's not about what he was saying to them, but I'm saying that the medical professionals professionals would have had a greater insight if I was able to give my point of view yeah. on the behaviours of my husband. You know, I believe that he had gone in and told them what he wanted them to know and not given them the full facts. I believe they may have treated him differently had they known the other side of his behaviours that he wasn't telling them. Yes. You know, patient confidentiality is a major thing here, but patient confidentiality doesn't have to be broken in order for them to hear the family's point of view. Why treat them like why treat a parent in isolation if they're not living in isolation? Mm -hmm. And it's for the welfare of children. I wouldn't keep trying to have this changed, only that I believe that my children would be alive today and maybe other children would be alive today if the family had been involved in the treatment. Have you ever had an opportunity, Una, to see John's notes, to see what he was saying? Yes, I, I, I did. I actually called around to all the health professionals that he had seen and acquired them myself afterwards. Not that it's any right of ours to delve into what he was saying to them, but to put the question this way, the man presented in those notes, is that the same man as you were living at home with? Well, I, I, as I said, I don't believe that John gave them the full facts. I believe if they'd listened to me, they would have maybe known an awful lot more and maybe have treated him differently. Mm -hmm. uh, you know what I mean? The notes are basic. I suppose not everything is in them, yeah. but I do believe that, you know, that I'm looking back in hindsight here and I'm saying, you know, if they'd known this, they might have treated him differently. I know. You know, and I don't believe that I ever got my point of view or I got a chance to give my um, two-pence worth into, you know, the whole situation because it's so important that family are involved because, like, my mother, she had Alzheimer's. All our family were involved. Why is it, you know, that we're not involved? I'm saying it should be made mandatory that the Mental Health Act should involve the family members. Yes. When a parent especially is living with children and living under the same roof as them. But this report that came out, unfortunately, it's great recommendations in this, over 200, but unfortunately not the one I wanted. Now, I've been told that they're going to establish an interdepartmental group after the, this report is published and that maybe I could have a, uh, my issues raised on that platform there. But I believe that this report was my platform for raising the issue. You know, it's been over 12 years that I'm trying to have things changed and going from one minister to another when they change ministers and, you know. Back in 2010 when this happened, mandatory reporting didn't exist. That came in in 2015. It might now, if you could put the clock back, it it might have helped, but not enough still. You You still believe you should have been involved. Not enough still. Now there's a recommendation that's going to hopefully be implemented that where GPs are going to be trained um, in the most common mental health issues because at the moment they're not trained yeah. to deal with mental health issues. But it was always there that if a GP thought that there was a concern for the risk of somebody's going, going to be at harm, that they could break patient confidentiality. You know, mm. it's not enough. They're still not hearing the other person's point of view, the other parent. Well, there is a saying in child protection, child protection trumps everything. Confidentiality goes out the window if a child yeah. protection issue is, is on the table. And that can only be a good thing. Yeah, it is a good thing. But unfortunately, not all families are dealing with social services. Indeed. You know, they're not in contact. We weren't in contact with social services. Una, how are you now? Um, 
Um, I'm I have great friends, great family, great support. So um, I just have to live with what has happened. It's not easy, mm-hmm. and it's uh, the most cruel cruelest thing on earth for it to happen. You know, yes. to my girls. But the most awful thing is that I believe it could have been prevented. Yes, yes, had it been involved. We've spoken many times. Are you on the verge of walking away? Well, I believed, I really thought when Nora Gibbons, the first lead in the study that was reviewing domestic homicides, was so passionate. She was a lovely lady. And I really believed that this was my chance. This was going to make things happen for families to be involved. But unfortunately, she passed away and uh, another lead study came in. But I was, I thought this was it. I said, if, if the, I've gone to the Taoiseach, I've gone to ministers, um, like, what else can I do, you know? Yeah, and when you go to people like a Taoiseach, what do they say? Well, it was Michal Martin when I met last year, and of course, the, you know, you feel that, oh God, there's something going to happen. You, you, you're you hopeful, obviously, yeah. and um, obviously nothing does, and I just can't understand it. I, I'm just so frustrated. So it's it's just common sense to involve a family member, you know? The medical professionals that have greater insight and the welfare of children is, is paramount. I will never forget the horror of covering the story of your family's tragedy, Una. In my journalistic career, it's one of the most horrific things I've ever had to cover. And that's just me reporting upon it. As always, my thoughts are with you and I wish you well. Thanks, PJ. Cheers, Una, thank you. Um, yeah, I'll never, ever, ever forget that. Never, ever, ever forget it. And it was just horrific. Horrific. The, and I was only in Ballycotton, uh, was it the week before last? It was, Sunday before last. Uh, I was in Ballycotton. We went for a drive during the weekend and we went to Gary Vaux and we were on the beach and whatever. And we drove in and said we'd have a drink or buy to eat baby in, in Ballycotton. And as I drove in, I thought of... Una and her family and in any time I set foot in the place and I love Billy Cotton lovely lovely place um, and so much going on down there now with Sea Church and and the hotels and, and the new the hotel on the front there where they do the deals anyway I've just a, it's a lovely place it's a lovely lovely place and any time I set foot in it I'm I'm haunted by the memory of that morning um, and and what was discovered in that house. And your heart goes out to Una Butler every time you think of her name. It was such a horrible thing to befall her family. And she is fully and totally and utterly convinced and never will be convinced otherwise that if she'd been involved in John's treatment at some level or other, it's not for her to say at what level. She's not a doctor. But if she'd been involved at some level or other, that her family might still be alive today. I, I don't know how you'd sleep Believing that as fervently as she does. Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Line. With Hidden Hearing, focused solely on your hearing health for over 35 years. They're all ears. Visit hiddenhearing.ie. Cork's 96 FM. The minds are live. Join the conversation. Call 0818 96 96 96. Text or WhatsApp 083 396 96 96. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. This is the Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Cox 96FM. Yeah, listen to all the promotion there for Father's Day, which is Sunday. 
it prompted me to look back on a message we got from John. Was it yesterday? Uh, Keep up with your correspondence, they always used to say. I remembered it, so I'll, I'll dig it out. John isn't overly enamoured with the idea of us all celebrating days like Father's Day, or I guess indeed Mother's Day, and he makes his reasons quite well. I'll come back to it. Also, I, I did forget yesterday to mention, because uh, Councillor McNugent got onto us about the streets, the state of the streets, and the workers um, who, again, we stress, uh, they work harder than anybody. Um, he said the lads were out with a hose to tackle the build-up of dirt and he sent us a photograph as well. I never got to mentioning that one yesterday, Mick, so I apologise. But clearly the work had been started while we were on the air. Whether it was in response to us, I do not know. <laughs> you kind of like to think so and hate to think so at the same time. 0818969696, the number of the text to WhatsApp is 0833969696. Randomly, before I go to Vera, who has a waiting list story, and I'm looking at the notes on my screen here and going, what the absolute hell? Hi, PJ Mary here. I work in an office. We have a stockpile of generic toner cartridges. For printers, they're empty and they're not branded. Is there anywhere I can bring them to recycle? Yes, there are many places you can bring them to recycle. If anybody wants to let us know, we can direct you there. This is from Mary. Works in an office. They have loads of printer cartridges. They want to get them recycled. Anybody help? I know there's a place we send all our stuff to from here, so maybe I get the name of that. 0818 96 96 96. Now, Vera... Nine years, nine years waiting for for cataract surgery. Good morning. That's right. Good morning, PJ. Um, tell, tell me the story. No, um, it's my husband, actually. Um, he had a cataract removed nine years ago. And when doing that, they actually uh, measured a second eye for the lens. And he was told he'd be done. And like the, that procedure was finished with that he'd only be called to have the cataract done. Um, no, nine years down the line. Uh, you know, every year these letters were coming out. Are you still waiting for your appointment? So he'd one year, he'd one cataract done, yeah? He had, yeah. And he had a second one growing is what they call That's it. That's right, yeah. yeah. And, and he was to have that done. That's right. Okay. So... Um, going back there earlier on, and, you know, every year these validation letters came out. Are you still waiting for your appointment? Which we would send back. Check it off, yes. That's gas, isn't and it? You know, that really is funny. They send out these letters like, do you still have a cataract? Well, no one took it out, like. Yeah. Do you know? <laughs> and like you could get them twice a year. So anyway, come back early. Um, it was either late January or early February. He'd get an get an appointment to see a doctor in the um, orthopedic, yeah. St Mary's. Oh yeah. Um, which, like as she said, um, he had his procedure done going back in two thousand and fourteen. So she said to him before we came away, she said, "You won't be waiting years now to be." And I started laughing. I said, "Are you sure?" 
So he, she said, um, no, you'll have it done within six months. So when was this? So he was... That co- was I think it was in February, early February. Of this year? Yep. Okay. And and they were looking at his secondary... Friday, yeah. yeah. On Friday, we received this letter. Um, read the read procedure waiting list removal. Um, stating that he was currently on uh, the list for the CUH and the South Infirmary. Mm-hmm. And he was he was um, being removed from the South Infirmary. Right. So I, on the letter was a number for the um, Central Appointment Office okay. at the CUH. Okay. So I actually rang there to be informed that they might have to deal with the South Infirmary. So I got onto the South Infirmary and I got the biggest rigmarole going. Um, so eventually they told me to go back to the CUH, okay. which I did. And uh, I was informed that he wouldn't have his procedure done until he saw the consultant. Um, okay. And I asked, like, how long would he be waiting to see him? Right. And I was informed of the four-year waiting list. What? Yeah. So, yeah. so you were told, you were told in St Mary's in February that he had to have this procedure. Yeah, yeah. And that he'd have it within six months. Yeah. But before you have the procedure, you must go to see the doctor, and that's fair enough. But there's four years of a wait to see the doctor. That's right. That'll mm-hmm. be thirteen years since he was told he needed the surgery. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So I'm wondering, like, is there any other body, any other person out there that's in a similar situation? That's because I think this is disgraceful. That's appalling. So It's a utter disgrace. Let me break this down for people, Vera. Um, so nine years ago, your husband, sorry, what's his name? James. James. So nine years ago, James had a cataract done. That's right. And at the time... He was growing one in the other eye. And they said, that's going to have to be done too. So they put him on the list to have it done. Am I right so mm-hmm. far? That's right, yeah. Okay. Nine years later, he has an appointment in February of this year. And yeah. he's told, well, James, that obviously still needs to be done. Um, you'll be done now in the next six months or so. And he thought, great, that's marvellous. And he had to go to the CUH to have it done. But be- before he has it done, he has to see another doctor. Am I right? Well, that's what's reading now from the letter. Oh, okay. Yeah. And there's a four-year waiting list to see that doctor. That's right. How is how is he feeling about this? He's very annoyed. Like myself, I've been honest. Now. I mean, Friday, if I spoke to him Friday, I was furious. Mm. Because even dealing with the hospitals, I tell you the truth, it's something else. 14 years. Yeah. I mean, are they just hoping that within the four years he'd be after passing away, God forbid? Because, I mean, he's not a young man, he's 83. Oh, my God. Ah, yeah. for God's sake, Vera, you're joking. Yeah. Yeah. Worked oh. all his life. Yeah. So, like, do you know what? He is very annoyed, like myself now. He wouldn't come on the radio, no, PJ. But um, would would he, by any chance, 
consider taking the cataract bus because we would be able to get on to the people who run that bus, Michael Collins or anybody else, very quickly. And he would go to the north. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I don't think... I, I'm not too sure. I mean... There's hundreds of people yeah. doing it. And yeah. he'd be on that bus. He'd be on that bus. I would. He'd 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 be on that bus. I'd say within within a few weeks. Yeah, I I I'd say it too. Do because here's the yeah. thing, Vera, Michael Collins, and there's another that young chap, um, Ben Dalton O'Sullivan down in Carrigaline. They operate that thing between them, and I know that you have to get your hands on some money and pay it up front. I will get you. Then, yeah. But you get it back then. You get it yeah. all back. Well, like you say, PJ, with all these people travelling up to the north getting that done, surely because there must be some difference in the list that's in our hospital. Oh, listen, I know. You're, yeah, I, know I know. I mean, this is my thinking. I know. Do you know what we'll do, Vera? Because I, I, I think this is outrageous. Uh, absolutely outrageous. You know, I mean, like, we will... We'll make a call to Michael and okay. we will see how quickly it could be arranged. How, assuming it's just a straightforward cataract repair, how quickly it might be arranged and, and we'll come back to you with it. Okay, PJ. Because that's outrageous. That 13 flipping years. Yeah. Like, what is our hospital systems here turning into? I mean, we we talking about the, the third world when we were helping out. Man, it's in the twilight of his years. I mean, how is his eyesight? Can well, he read um, the paper? Can he watch the telly? Well, he can with classes, yeah. Okay. No, at times he's actually, we were only at a match there and at the weekend to see the grandsons. Yeah. And, you know, to my daughter was saying, take a look at him. Like, one eye was shut. Trying to look out the other one. Yeah, yeah. So he's trying to look out the good eye that was done. Nine That's years. right. Yeah, like he's like using the one eye. For God's sake, fear. I'm I'm sorry. No, I'm angry here. I'm very I, cross. I'm telling I'm very cross. There, there could have been no one more angrier than myself on Friday. I'd have eaten her and fear. No, I'm, I'm, I'm very. Cross I was so here. so angry. I'm very cross. Do you know what we're going to do? I tell you what, Emer, will we do that? Will we just pick the? F- do you know what? Not going to make any promises, not going to make any plans, but what we'll okay. do is we'll make a phone call to Michael Collins TD. Okay. And we'll, 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 we'll see what, what might be done if it was doable. Would that, okay. would that help? That would be great. All right, Vera. Like, I was just wondering, like, as well, like, is there anybody else that that's after happening to? Dozens of people. Probably, but we're not hearing it. Because... You know what happens, Vera, and that's why I love taking calls from people like you. Because people are afraid that if they open their mouth, they'll get nothing. That's what it is. I, I remember meeting a man. I'm going back a little bit in time now. I was sitting doing some work. Actually, in, in, in Baker Street's pub up there in Granabraher a few years ago, doing a bit of work, uh, having done a news story. I was writing up my notes to send them back in. And this man came over to me and he was introduced to me. And he said, have you any say in this, waiting this? I said, I have not. But he introduced me. He introduced, introduced himself to me anyway. And um, he told me that he'd been trying to get a hip done with about seven years. 
and the poor man was goosed, absolutely goosed. Elderly man now, quite. So he said to me, there's a minister in town on Friday, isn't there? I said, there is, actually, it turns out. So I said to him, look, would you do an interview with me? And he did. He came out to the car, said into the car with me, did a little interview, uh, told me his story. He was in his late 70s at this stage. And crocked. Poor man was crocked. And he'd been five, four, five, six years waiting for this. Did the interview. I broadcast the interview in the morning that that minister came to town. And I heard no more until about six or eight weeks later. I was back up the north, said another part of And I'd always run to the nearest pub to do my writing. So I write my story and I tap my shoulder. This man standing tall. And I go, hello, boy. Because I was done a month later, he said. A month. Oh, fantastic. Whatever the hell happened, yeah. I was done a month later. Yeah. <laughs> Listen, we will get on to Michael Collins and see if anything could be set up for James. Okay. All right. Cheers, okay. Vera. PJ, thanks for taking my call. Not at all. Not thank at all. You, Give the man my regards. Bye, bye. Take bye. care. 0818-96-96-96. That's awful. Oh, God, that's awful. Really awful. Let's see what we can find out. Uh, 0818-96-96-96. I'll go there after the break. Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Live. With Hidden Hearing, changing lives with the latest hearing health technology. They're all ears. Visit hiddenhearing.ie. Right, we're making contact with Deputy Michael Collins as we speak to see what might be possible for James. Catherine. Good morning, PJ. How are you? Good. You've taken the bus. We, I'm with my husband, PJ, okay. Okay. my husband. He took the bus, the bus twice. Right. Now, um, in September 2018, we took the bus up to Belfast, all good, all well, back down. I know there was expenses to be paid. We knew that. We came down. We got full reimbursement. Okay. We took the bus again last August, and we went up. Same procedure, same carry on, back down, and we were left a shortfall of €790. Out of a total spend of what? Of uh, almost 3000 Okay. Now, your issue here isn't with the bus, I mean, Ben Dalton and Michael Collins. No, 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 no issue. But the HSE are not giving back everything they used to give back. Yeah, exactly. They're not. They're not. I went on to TDs. I went on. It was the principle of it, PJ. Now, if we couldn't afford it, it would have been another thing. I don't know where we would have got it. But that could happen to a person. Yes. It could very easily happen to a person. Yeah. But we were €790. They didn't pay out. I don't know what the issue... I don't know why they're doing it. But the first time we got the full what we expected back, back. <laughs> this time we were a bit shocked. <laughs> now, as I say, a person may not be able to afford that. PJ. Mm. You you were happy with the, with the trip? Does, does, oh, <clears throat> out, outline how it happens for me, Catherine. You, you, well, you, you it get was, on the bus it, it was an ad on your your programme in 2018 okay. that when Dalton O'Sullivan was taking the bus up hmm. and um, I think Fiona was on the bus at the start when we went up because we were having a, a, a good crack with her and uh, we went up, you got on the bus, you went up you went into, you checked into your hotel back out into the bus again, back up to the hospital. Mm. You were, consultant was there. That was half a seven in the evening, PJ. Uh, the consultant was there. You wouldn't, see, you wouldn't get too many consultants seeing you at half seven here. Yes, half a seven in the evening, he started his consultation up in New- Knightsbridge. 
King's uh, Knights King's Hospital in Belfast. Right. The following we were uh, left uh, left to like jail. We were allowed to go home then after everyone was sorted back on the bus back to the hotel. Yeah. We had a, a dinner and we had a little chat and everyone got to know each other. We had a lovely time. And we had to be back in the hospital again the following morning for half past seven. I see. And we'd have been out of that hospital with a contingent of 15 at that time. 15 cataract patients. Mm-hmm. And we were ready to roll out of that hospital at 12 o'clock. Only one particular person got a raise in her blood pressure and we had to wait for that to go down. Wow, wow. Now, in terms of what you get reimbursed, like... You you always had to pay your hotel, didn't you? You paid your hotel, yeah. you paid your meals, anything extra you wanted, of course. Yeah. What you got back was the consultation fee and the procedure fee. I see. That's not happening now, PJ. I see. Yeah, because we had someone on the phone here. I waited three years to get it done here. I could have had it done much faster in the north. But you don't get all the money back. They don't pay back the hotel. That's right. And they don't... Yeah. I, it can add up they to around 600 They don't pay back the full procedure. Yeah, but they pay for the procedure and they pay for the consultant's fee. They don't know. They oh. did. Okay. They did, PJ. They don't know. We had a shortfall of seven hundred and ninety euro. Right. Okay. We did get paid the first time, twenty eighteen. Mm-hmm. We got our full full um, lot of money back, but not this time. Okay. They gave us out of three thousand. So what? A, it was one hundred. Uh, you see, I was mixed up now between the sterling and uh, Gosh, the euro. Really, that doesn't really matter. Yeah. Yeah. So in total, it was seven hundred and ninety. Mm-hmm. I got on to Ben Dalton O'Sullivan, and he inquired about me. Now Ben said they did owe us another hundred euro. Do you know what, PJ? I didn't even go about it because there was so much trouble mm. trying to get to them. I couldn't be bothered. I'm just saying, if a person needed to go, did they get? Sorry, we, Catherine. Did they? Did they give you back what? What they left you short? No. I never received it. No. No. All right. Okay. Thank you for that. As I said, we're going to contact. Um, we're going to contact Michael Collins. Uh, we've. I think we've left messages already. And make contact with him to see what can be done with regard to uh, James. Uh, said James's situation and Vera's situation. But thank you for that, Catherine. Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. Bernie is listening to that woman. I get so fed up and so angry. To think of that poor man waiting another four years. We spend money on all the wrong things here. Ain't that ain't that the God's honest truth? Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. Now the leaving cert Matt's honours paper one last Friday seems to have caused ructions. From around the country there were reports of people bursting into tears, people leaving the exam centre in tears because of the makeup of the paper, because of what was on the paper, because of the paper, the, the way the paper was compiled. And reading the various news reports over the weekend, it was a case of questions that were never expected on topics that have never been asked in years. That was part one. But the other problem, as I saw it, and it's the one that would have bothered me most, was the one where stuff that would normally turn up on paper two turned up on paper one. And trust me when I tell you, if you've done honours maths, I've done it, not yesterday, but I've done it. When you're going to prepare for honours maths, and there are two papers, you prepare one particular mindset for paper one, and another mindset for paper two. Now, paper two seems to have gone quite well for them, which I'm delighted to hear. But let's look back at paper one, because people were traumatised. Let's bring in Dermot McCarthy of Tacit Maths, 
Ie. I have no doubt, dear, we've spoken many times before, I have no doubt you've had a good browse of this paper now. So was it a beast of a thing and was it a nasty paper? Good morning. Morning, PJ. How are you? Um, yeah, I've, I've, I've looked at it inside out now and I'd be fairly knowledgeable about, you know, all the other papers for the last 10 years or so. Like the new Leaving Cert Maths course has been in place since 2012. And I kind of I wish you kind of alluded well to it there, but I wish people would stop saying that it was a hard paper. You know, these are these are the top maths students in the country. They, they sign up for, mm. for, for higher level maths. They, they expect it to be a hard, a hard paper. Like the problem I, I see is that it just wasn't a very fair paper, and you, you kind of you what, what you mentioned there is right. Like, if you if you put yourself in the mind of a, a higher level maths student, what are you doing? Your the weeks, the months before the exam, you're studying past papers. There's there's about twelve of them there, all the way back to 2012. And imagine how you know them all inside out. You go into the in, into your exam, question one comes up. And fine, not a, not a bad old question. And then next thing, question two comes up and it's limits, which has never come up in the paper before. It's on their course, but has never come up. So you're thinking, okay, fair enough. That's one question down that, that's, that I have to write off. Then you go on to question three and it's a, a proof that has never come up since 2012. Mm-hmm. And then question four comes up and something called, trans- I don't want to get too technical now, but transformations on the Argon diagram has never come up in the paper. And like you're expecting one or two of these and if you're if you're a top higher level math student going for a H one or H two, you know that that you you can only afford to slip up once or twice. And there you are at question three and question four, and you know in your head that already you you're, there's three or four things that 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 have come up that you've never you you haven't prepared for properly. You know. Can, and can I stop that's you one second fair, there, Jeremy? At, at this point, if it's would would is it a fair comment to suggest that if it's on the course, then can come up yeah oh yeah definitely and like that's that's the thing and i I was kind of conflicted over it myself you know is, is is it right to be complaining about things that are coming up there on the course but like you'd expect that maybe once or twice yes but like i've looked i've looked down through the paper and i've in, in question one two three four five and seven there are things that have come up that have never come up before you know and like <sighs> It's Ooh. as I said, if it was once or twice, you'd say something. But like the fact that it came up seven times, you know, that's that's just pushing. I don't know what the I don't know what the the the, the mar- or the whoever was designing the paper was trying to achieve with that, you know. Yeah, and when a paper is being put together, and I know it takes quite an amount of time, when a paper is being put together, is it one examiner sets it, or would it be a group of people sets it, and then I, I take it the state examination commission has the final say on what paper goes to the students. Yeah, my my understanding is that there's a lead, uh, a lead, we'll say, coordinator of the whole thing, and I assume he has kind of helpers doing it. But then you'd have a different person doing paper two, which is well, that's my understanding anyway. And like, it looked to me now as if either the paper one designer had a new uh, got a brief that it was meant to be like that, or maybe it was just a new coordinator completely. Mm-hmm. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, 
things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Just question paper two just seemed to be you know perfectly in line with with what you'd expect for a higher level like it wasn't wasn't easy as I said you're not expecting an easy paper no but it was a bit more you know it wouldn't have it wouldn't have Le- had the same effect as leaving Sir Donner's mats is is not for the faint-hearted it never was I did I did it myself yeah. I loved mats uh, and I, I had a wonderful wonderful grind teacher uh, man called a fantastic maths teacher anyway in school Liam Byrne but I had a great grinds teacher as well a man called Phil McGinn and I remember. Two weeks out from the paper, from the exams, when I was at her last session with Phil, he gave us an exam on each occasion. And he said, I'm giving you paper one, and this is a compilation of the most brutal questions you could find from past papers. And he said, yeah. if, you could, if you can get an honour in that paper, you can get an honour in anything. That preparation would have been a total waste of time for this this exam. Yeah, that's a, that's a good way of putting it right. And like what you're expecting is an, what, what I call, well, I, not, I didn't coin the phrase now, but a novel, a novel problem, you know, a problem that the second you look at it, it looks as if you've never seen it before. But then the experienced math student, the one who's prepared, Digs the one who, who knows, the, will, will break it down and yeah. see things that, that are familiar. Whereas there's things on this, especially those routine questions that I kind of mentioned that you either knew them or you didn't. And yes. if you took the gamble of not not studying limits because it hasn't come up ever in this course, yes. then straight away you, you end the hope, you know. And now on the, the on other the thing that used to happen, sorry, one more last thing. You'd, you'd, you'd get a question in front of you then in the exam, Dermot, and if you're an honour student, you look at, say, section B, and you go, what the, what the hell is that? And you get out a pencil and paper and you start... Oh, that's what they want! Bang bang. Was there any of that? Yeah. Uh, there was. To be fair, no. There was like, I'd say uh, I was talking to one of my students there, and she said she she went she came out of it, and she was completely disheartened about it. She, you know, the same as everyone else. She was traumatized, etc. All mm. all all the all the things we've been hearing. But she actually sat down later that night when when it came out online and looked at it, and realized that there was one or two ridiculous questions that she knew she 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 didn't tackle well but she realised then that the majority of it was actually standard enough and that yeah. you know it was whatever her headspace was in the middle of the exam told her that told her that she was doing very poorly whereas in fact she she, she will do alright I'd say and the marking and the schemes kind of, then yeah yeah um, if the if the person correcting your paper can see that you you had at least a good fist of what might be going on and you had a you had a lash off it we were always told, have a cut off it. And if, if the examiner can see that you know where you're going, you had a cut off it and you got a bit lost, will you get some marks? Does that still happen? Yeah, I'm actually, I'm going to be correcting, I'm going up to Atlow in there in two weeks to correct this particular paper. So I can, I can give you some feedback on it later on if you want. But um, yeah, that's pretty much how it works. And say we're given specific instructions as to what gets, like if the question is worth 10 marks, 
if you write this and this straight away, that gives you four marks, seven marks, eight marks, and then 10 marks, you know? So like the, the, every, every math student is told that, you know, you just write, write, write what you can. If you have no clue, even just write something and there's a good chance you will get marks for it. Yeah. And the other thing then as well, like, I, I don't know, I might be giving away some trade secrets here, but like the, the whole way that the leave insert is designed is that every year by and large, the same amount of people get H1s, H2s, H3s, etc. Right. So like if you're panicking now thinking you're, you did a disaster and that like the people who are going to get H1s going into this by and large are still going to get H1s. You know, that's that's the that's the general gist of, of what happens when I we see. correct it, like say. So when we correct it. We we correct our first hundred, we'll say, and we send them back and they give us feedback then and they say, actually, we're going to change the marking scheme slightly so that this amount of people, so just to push up the amount of people to get H1s or might be pushing it down or things like that. So mm. that's the one kind of relief for students who are very anxious about it. Yeah. If you were prepared going into it, if you did the work, like the leave insert is one, you can say what you like about the leave insert, but it is excellent for rewarding students who put the work in yes. and who are talented at maths. You know, so if you did put the amount, good amount of work in, if you do have a good grasp of the concepts, that will be, you will see that in your results. I see, I see, yeah. The, the the thing that threw me most or would have thrown me most was, yeah, obviously the stuff that you said six things have come up that never been asked before. But I said to you at the start, Dermot, about the mindset. You have a paper one mindset and a paper two mindset. And if you go in and there's paper two stuff on paper one, that'll throw you completely. Was Did that happen here? Yeah, to a very small extent. Now, there's a bit of air in volume on, on paper one, which uh, which tends to come up in paper two. But, you know, they, they've they've said that before. I remember somebody analyzing or justifying the reasons for that. And they said that before, that they don't want people with that mindset. They want people to be able to make connections across different concepts. It's which, not just, yeah, to be fair. You, you know, and it, it, I can see the logic behind yeah. that. I, I can't really fault them on that, you yeah. know. So you would describe this paper, and look, you're going to be correcting it, and you're going to be looking at the marking scheme variation. You would describe this paper as not not unusually tough, but not particularly fair. Correct? Yeah, like say the the difficult questions are the ones that would have caught most students. I guarantee you, if 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 they sat down afterwards and looked at it, or vice versa, if, if let's say, that thing I was talking about there, transformations on the Argon diagram, if they'd spent two hours or so the week before studying that, that question would have been a breeze. But it's the fact that, you know, and like they only have a certain amount of time, they have to take the risk of saying, right, I need to cover this. This is mm. most likely to come up. Uh, this thing has never come up, so I, why am I wasting my precious time studying that? You know, that's just that, that's, preparation. That's topic management. You, you, that's how yeah, you work. Yeah. Yeah. And, and a teacher would be advising that you know a teacher would be giving them these stats you know giving them a few tips on what not what definitely not to leave out what can they risk you know it's you know they have to manage their time some way if they go off studying spending hours studying all these obscure topics that have never come up sure they'll, they'll get nothing done you know that's yeah. that's where i'm kind of coming like it's, yeah. it's kind of a nuanced debate really you, you, it is. you don't want to fall into it the is. trap of of just saying oh you know you you, you have to cover everything but it's obviously a lot more delicate than that. I think there was the message coming from a very experienced maths teacher, a very experienced corrector of exams. Your message is here. Yes, it was a very tough paper. It was a little bit unfair, but everything will be okay in the end. I think you're well, anxious to get I, across. I, I remember my, my, it was my English teacher actually in Cairnavar. He gave me the best advice, or he gave us, us, Klaus, to Cairnavar if I went to. 
And he said to us, he has never met a student whose life was ruined by their leaving cert results, you know, and it was the perfect advice we were given. It was the week before the leaving cert and everyone thought that their whole life depended on this. And that kind of just stuck with me. And he was like, and so like, no matter how bad it goes, no, like your life will go on and you'll, you'll figure out a way and you'll be happy no matter, no matter what. It, well, well, you might, might be happy no matter what, but it won't be the leaving cert that causes you, causes you any distress. I like I liked that. We should be shouting that from the rooftops, shouldn't we? Yeah, a big billboard there outside 96 FM maybe might might work, might be effective. Dermot, a pleasure. Thank you. I'll see you. Cheers. That's Dermot McCarthy of tacitmats.ie. A tough and odd paper. A little bit unfair. But it'll be all right in the end. 0818 96 96 96. Sash on Corun File on Quarks 96 FM. Win your way to a week in Ibiza. Week in Ibiza. <laughs> Just watch me dance. Only on Quarks 96 FM. That is our song for today. For our week in Ibiza. Party holiday of a lifetime. Seven nights at the Wiki Woo Hotel this September. You'll go to see David Gatta at Yushaya. You'll see Joel Curry. And Ibiza Rocks, and you'll go to the Ocean Beach Pool Party. We'll bring you to dinner at Cafe Mambo right around sunset time for that famous Ibiza sunset. We'll give you some money as well to spend. Fly you there and fly you home. That's our daily hit today from the White Isle on Corun Foi from Sash from 26 years ago. When were you last there, Sylvia? Oh my god! Um, a couple of years ago, I think four years ago, if I'm correct, four or five years ago. Anyway, yeah, yeah. Would, would you? I'm just, would, would you I have... was laughing. There. I can't believe that song is twenty years. I know, Neil. I'm can feeling, I? I'm feeling really old now. <laughs> well, I used to. I used to DJ. I know that that club I used to be in. And the boss said, "Will you ever tell him you're going to play that bloody thing? I got a smoke. I hate it." You know. <laughs> <laughs> I cannot believe it. Your husband played Ibiza, did he? Yes, yeah, he did. Um, no, that was before we met. But um, yeah, he used to DJ there with uh, a couple of his friends. Um, I think they spent the whole summer there DJing in um, uh, clubs around the island. So yeah. Right, and you've done the Cafe Del Mar Sunrise thing. Yes, we have. Yeah, and um, we sat in Cafe Mambo. I remember we watched the sunset um, at the beach. It was. It was. It. it, it to be honest, it is something different there. But there's just something about it, you know. Yeah. And all the party yeah. stuff in Ibiza, people have been there. Yeah. Doesn't, they tell me it's all like in one area, and and, and and you get a taxi out then, and it's like being in a quiet corner of mainland Spain. Yeah, and um, now the the clubs. Um, so a lot of them are in San Antonio, but the ones we went to, um, they, there's actually uh, like shuttle buses running all night and all morning because you don't come back until eight o'clock in the morning from them. <laughs> I know, I know. So, I know. And they, yeah, they were, they were in kind of, some of them out in hidden places, you know, but um, yeah, we went to we went to a couple of them, yeah. yeah. All right, would you like, like to go again? I would absolutely love to. In September? And bring himself. Yeah. All right. Well, here's yeah, what you do. Here's all I can do is I can guarantee to put you in the draw. You up, you up for that? Yes. Yeah, right. You're in the draw then. All right. 
You're in Fantastic. the job. Thank you so and much. Keep September free because we might be sending you for seven nights to Wiki. What a name for a hotel, Wiki Woo. Have you ever seen that one? <laughs> No, I never. But I looked it up a couple of days ago, and it looks unreal. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Good, <I can laughs> All right, listen, Sylvia O'Callaghan. Today's qualifier in the opinion to go to the draw for our week in Ibiza with Hobie, who used to DJ there. And she's done the Cafe Del Mar thing, and she's done the Cafe Memo thing, and she wants to do it all again. She's in Bishopstown. Simon will have another qualifier later today. Lorraine will have another one again. 0818969696 Remember you're looking You're listening out For this tune <laughs> 26 years old Join the conversation This is the Opinion Line With Hidden Hearing Focused solely on your hearing health For over 35 years They're all ears Visit hiddenhearing.ie Cork's 96 FM The Cork Diary Cork's 96 FM A fundraising picnic will take place at Currabeg Nursery On Sunday the 25th of June at 2pm The event will attempt to create Ireland's longest picnic table on the day There'll be kids entertainment with Boggle Entertainment Circus, raffles and plenty of tea, coffee, cakes and family fun. Proceeds from the event will go towards the Laura Lynn Foundation. If you have an event you would like mentioned, email the details to corkdiary at 96fm.ie. Dermot McCarthy of tacitmats.ie has taken a good look at that Leaving Cert Honours Paper 1 from last Friday. He will be correcting it and grading it over the course of the summer. And he said you should be expecting a challenging paper, a tough paper, if you're going in to do Leave Insert Honours Maths. But he said it wasn't a fair paper. Kevin, you had a traumatised teenager in the house at the weekend. Oh, man, I'm just glad it was Friday. Um, she definitely needed the weekend to get over that one. Um, she She's done the work. you know. I, I, Would she be good at maths? Like? She's handy enough. She would have been... She did well in... Um, in all her mock exams, she's been doing all the past papers that the teachers have been giving her. Uh, she's been studying like crazy. But this is not just maths, it's pretty much across the board. But she came home on Friday and it was, uh, they literally just asked her stuff that we never prepared for. Mm. And she said, like your man was saying there, he just said, and it's stuff that was, co- that was on the course, but there's on the course and what teachers are going to focus on in the course are yes. two different things. Yes. It's very easy for a teacher to look at a, a question and say, "Look, this hasn't been this hasn't come up in twenty years, but this has come up every year. We're going to glance at this and we're going to focus on that, yeah. and I'll point you in this direction." And that's what happened. It was, they were pointed in the direction of this, the common stuff that yeah. does come up all the time to focus time, and that's a lot of the things when it comes to the leaving cert. It's it's literally time management with all you, across the board across all your subjects. Mm. You can't exclusively focus on one thing and hope that you can glide by and everything else. You have to manage your time. And part of managing your time is focusing on the questions that are meant, are usually, are normally going to come up. And it's, it, she literally said exactly what he said. It's like, it was hard, but it, it we expected hard. It just wasn't fair. And that was the tough one for her. I hope it's corrected with a bit of um, common sense. That's... The only thing I'd say, because she went in on Monday, come back, and she grant. She said, look, that was fine. Look, we knew what we were getting with that one. It mm-hmm. was hard enough, but 
there was no there was no shocks in there. And she came home in a in a buzzy mood and prepared for biology today. Yeah. It sounds to you me know? like there's a level being missed here between the setting of the exam and the signing off on the exam. Someone I would I hope, Kevin, it's someone's job to read the paper and say, Ah God, lads, come on. That's a bit off. I think there's between that and you gotta I'd imagine that look, it's not just unique to I've heard different phone-ins on this over the last four or five days or since Friday every even teachers are phoning up and this is across the country yes. and they're all singing off the same hymn sheet it's like we couldn't prepare the students for this because this just wasn't expected this was out of the, out of the order and as much as teachers get a, a bum rap when it comes to a lot of stuff this isn't on them you know they teach the course to their best of their ability yes. but well, they have to manage you teach it the way things are going. On, on the past papers. As I said, it, exactly. I recall the story of the, the chap I did, the man I did, did, did grains with, and he gave us, in the last session before the exams, he gave us a compilation of, I think he said, eight questions, with eight questions. He said, if you can get an honour out of those, and they're the toughest beasts yeah. of questions <laughs> I can find anywhere in past, yeah. every element of what's there has come up in a past paper. If you can get an honour out of that, you can get an honour out of anything. Yeah. Do you know? Yeah, no, I think she came home at the end of it and she's like, I'd never have to pick up a math book again after <laughs> I know, that. Yeah, I know, yeah. You know, it's like, I know. as long as I, she's like, I, can, I know how to work out my wage slip. I know how to work out how much paint I need to do to, to decorate a wall. I know this, that and the other. I'm grand. I get through the rest of my life and I never have to think about calculus for the rest of my days. I know, yeah. I, know, <laughs> yeah. It's true. Yeah, I felt the same about it. Yeah, I but, felt the same about calculation or calculus. <laughs> I don't mind you. I don't mind telling you. Yeah. yeah. But how's it's, it going I mean, for, it She's going doing okay. English she loved. She's really good with English anyway. She's she done English. She was happy enough with that. She got biology today, she got French tomorrow, and then she got a nice break then till uh, accounting to finish up. I think her and her mates are, have planned a holiday to go off to Greece for a week, so that's that's what's keeping her going. Handy now, you know. It's like the thing is, you got to remember this is the the year that's doing this leaving cert is the year who missed out on TY during COVID. Yes, and and so, had no juniors at some of them. Yeah, and the thing is, they didn't get their trips, they didn't get to go abroad with their mates and have that bonding and stuff like that. So they literally just got clubbed together and said, look, after this, we're having our time. And that's, I think that's the string that's holding them all together at the minute, that there is light at the end of the rainbow and we're going to be dancing in, in Ibiza or we're going to be in Corfu or wherever they're going. You know this week yeah. in Greece. If I, um, if yeah, I, I, I don't want to think about it. If, I don't want to think about if it. If I know Dad, right? There's actually there's a great reality show based on on this idea. Yeah, I'm if not I, watching that either. If I if I know Dad, um, I think he would love to be following at a discreet distance. <laughs> <laughs> I tell we had a conversation coming in this morning, and my missus turned around and she said to me, "I wish I could just wrap him up in bubble wrap and put him on those, you know, those reins, those hand reins that they were when they were small, yes, so yeah, they wouldn't yeah, run yes. away from you." Yeah, yeah, yeah. She'd be, we'd be both happy as. as pigs in you know what the rest of our days if we could do that forever but we can't they're going off to uni in three or four months yeah, they have to learn to stand on their own two feet. So, well, wish 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 her luck for the rest of it, Kev. Uh, thanks for that. Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. She'd be good at maths. She'd be handy at maths. She was knocked sideways by that paper, which Dermot said it was a tough paper. You expect a tough paper. You expect a challenging paper, but that wasn't a fair paper. He was back on actually, Dermot, 
from tazadmats.ie who said, the teacher in Carrigg-Navarre who gave me that advice about how he has never met anyone whose life was ruined by their leaving search results. His name was Podrig McCorhig. He is still teaching in Cloister Crinefa in Carrigg-Navarre. I meant to mention him by name, uh, but I didn't, says Diamond. Thank you for that. So that's a, a font of wisdom, he sounds like. Podrig McCorhig. Uh, still teaching maths in Kloster, Krinefa and Carignavar. He said he has never met anyone whose life was ruined by their leaving search results. Sage advice indeed. Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Line. With Hidden Hearing, changing lives with the latest hearing health technology. They're all ears. Visit hiddenhearing.ie. Coach 96 FM. What country do Rolex watches come from? Is she on 9 out of 10 yet? 9 out of 10 right now. Oh my God. Oh no. I'm wrong, aren't I? I'm wrong in thinking that we had that conversation about Rolex. They have their headquarters in Geneva in Switzerland. Yeah. Oh. But they were founded in the UK. You've just won two thousand. <laughs> I can't believe it. Congratulations, you aced it. 10 out of 10. A couple of guesses along the way, but you are the latest winner of 2,000 euro, and we are absolutely buzzing for you. Well done. Thank you so much. Thank you. Stacking up the cash. 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 The two grand minute. Listen to play at 7.40 and 8.40 every day on Casey and Ross in the morning. Cork's 96FM. The lines are live. Hello. Join the conversation. Call 0818 96 96 96. Text or WhatsApp 083 396 96 96. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. This is the Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Cork's 96 FM. There's some warm nights ahead. It was a sticky one last night. Oh my goodness, it was. Now, look, we'll have... Months and months of cold, wet, windy weather. You know, and that's just the autumn. So we'll enjoy what we have right now. But it was kind of hot and sticky last night. I was reading in the paper where you should lick your wrists for a better night's sleep. You should... What, PJ? What is he telling us to... Mary, what did he say? Lick me wrists for a better night's sleep. I'll explain it in a while. Yes, I'm told if you lick your wrists in weather like this... You'll get a better night's sleep. <laughs> I don't know. I'll do it before we finish. I better now because people are going, what was he saying? 0818 96 96 96. The number of the text to WhatsApp is 083 396 96 96. And your email is opinion at 96fm.ie. If you're going on holidays in the next few weeks, one of the last things you have to do one of the first things you have to do is download the app. If you haven't downloaded it yet, why haven't you downloaded it yet? Because not only will you be able to listen to us by the pool or on the beach, wherever you happen to be, but you can also take part in the show, join the conversation from overseas with WhatsApp at 083 396 96 96. You'd be surprised how many people listen to us by the pool. Anyway, back to leaving search and the exams. We talked to Kevin about his daughter's experience with the honours maths paper and we talked to Dermot who said to us, look, as a maths teacher and someone who will be correcting this paper, it was a tough paper which you expect 
Leaving Cert Honours Maths is tough. It's not for the faint-hearted, it never was. But it wasn't necessarily a fair paper, the way it was put together, the stuff that was chucked into it. And that would be the honest assessment for men who will be sitting down to correct it over the weeks to come. But uh, Councillor Marcia Dalton, this week brought back memories for you. You have, oh, you poor woman, you have one doing each junior and leaving. Morning. Good morning, GPJ. I do. I've one. Uh, I've a daughter doing junior, and I've a daughter doing leaving cert. Um, the one doing junior cert, God bless her, she's horizontal. And if she could share some of that with the one doing leaving cert, the one doing leaving cert would have a much easier time. She's very anxious. Was the, was so, the one doing leaving cert? Was were they doing the honours maths? No, she's doing ordinary maths, and she found the ordinary maths paper hard. But um, that could be her too. I I wouldn't judge. You know. She tends to be anxious when she comes out of an exam and thinks she didn't do as well as she should have. And, you know, we're regularly here, oh, I'm not getting into college. I'm just not getting into college. So we've got all that going on at home. Okay. They're doing fine. They're they're making their way through it and they're doing fine. Yeah. Um, but I think you rang me because I put up a Facebook post about how I felt about it. That's and right. I, yeah, that's right. You, you, you raise a question that is raised every year at this time. Yeah. Why are we still doing this? Yeah, when you're in the system, you sort of take it for granted. It's what you do. And I was remembering back to my own meeting search, and I was, I don't know if I was especially bright, but I was well applied. <laughs> do you know what I mean? So so I did fine. I did my work. I did my work justice. But I had the gift of application. I have five kids, and the two sitting exams now are my third and fourth. So we've been to, through two leading certs before, um, both during the COVID time. So it was a little different. And there was continual assessment at that time. And I could see how the pressure was so much less. Um, one of mine, in fact, both of them took the option to sit the exams, but they didn't have to. Um, one of them had a particularly bad paper one morning and was very upset and decided not to sit the afternoon paper. And that was fine. She had done a continual assessment and she had that to fall back on. Mm. And and the difference between the pressure, they exemplified and it's not that they didn't work. They worked really hard. But the pressure that's put on these poor sods now, who are, as we did, goodness, PJ, 30 years ago, cramming everything, all these exams, into a short period of time. And all that preparation that they've all done for all those years has to be regurgitated the best way possible to do their their hours and hours and years of preparation justice. Mm. There has to be a better way than that. Because not all kids are designed for that. Yeah. And and this is what really cuts me up. We spend, as mums and dads, we spend our kids' lives building them up, trying to teach them to be decent members of society, to find their skills, their gifts, to contribute, to find out that which makes them tick. And then they go into secondary school and they're in school and this is not to criticise teachers, far from it. Mm-hmm. They're in school for seven hours a day. They come home, they're expected to do more sit-down work. The body isn't even designed for that. They tell us those who know better than me say that young people of that age, that sort of 13, 14, 15, 16 age, they're not even at their peak in the early hours of the morning. So starting at nine is something that would not have them at their best anyway. Yeah. That's just not the way they're designed. And I I can't help thinking all these years on and watching my own kids that each child is unique 
And I love that expression or that phrase that's attributed to Albert Einstein. Everybody's a genius. How does it go? Everybody's a genius. But if you judge a fish by its ability to climb trees, it will spend its whole life thinking it's stupid. That's true. That's true. And there are kids like that in the school system who are true geniuses but their genius has never been tapped by the academics they're required to do. A couple of things that you that you raised there, um, and we're having this discussion for since I did my own leave in certain, that's not yesterday. You know, they've been saying this for years, that we need to do it differently. There needs to be another way. But yet no one seems to have come up with an idea for a viable functioning alternative. And the other thing you said, Marcia, was that, you know, that's not the way kids work. That's not the way some kids work, getting up and starting early in the morning and all that. And that's true. But that's the way the world works. The real world is not a kind place. The real world will impose structures and it will impose time limits and deadlines on us. So where are we going to learn to do them if we don't learn it in school? And where are we going to learn to develop creativity and innovation and independent thinking and strength of character if we don't develop that in school too. So somehow, I mean, as, as of now, from the time the kids go into school, they sit in rows, they stay quiet, they sit still, they raise their hands and they, they wear the same, They wear, sometimes they develop to wear the same outside in school as, as much as they do inside of school. So mm-hmm. how do we build up the sense of a kid's own individuality and specialness excuse the horrific nature no, of the it's word. a great word, actually. There's specialness to the world. Because that's our job as parents to teach Correct. them that. Correct. And at some stage during that delicate young adulthood, we as parents, whilst we're still important, become less important when it comes to influencing them. And so the system that they're part of for so long every day takes over. The friends whom they've developed a whole social circle with take over. We're there in the background and we're the solid people they go to when they need us, but we don't influence to the same extent. Mm-hmm. And so the system at that stage, in my opinion, and it's only my opinion, PJ, as a mum and, and as someone who's not so young anymore, the system has to enable the kids the flexibility yes. to discover themselves. Yeah, I get that. But the point I made, you, you made a very valid point that the, the, the teenage brain doesn't function properly at nine in the morning. That's, and, and there's a mound of science there to tell us that. Yeah. Do you know? Um, but but the, the, the world requires you to function at nine in the morning or eight in the morning. So somewhere in between, say, 16 and 26, you have to learn that. And that's okay. And, you know, you've had young kids too and, and not so far from that age. And I, my eldest is 21. So I can see that slowly developing now that he's going out into the working world. Yeah. Um, and, and that's fine. That happens. But it's about being gentle. As you say, the world is tough. The world is hard. The world doesn't always forgive. The world is not a very kind place. We teach it's our not. kids to be kind and we try to, we try to you know, nurture kindness in them. But the world isn't kind. It's not. And so if they don't have the fundamentals built solidly and deep within themselves when they're younger about how special they are, then they've nothing to fall back on themselves. When I'm dead and gone, my kids can't come crying to me and I tell them they're wonderful. So the only person they can go to for that reassurance when the world is being harsh is themselves. 
And if they don't have that built up, if they've spent a lifetime of schooling believing that they're less than somebody else, then where are they going to turn to when they're older? Fabulous point. Fabulous point. Uh, yeah. Where, where do we where do we shoehorn that into a packed curriculum? Or do we unpack the curriculum? Mm. And then they'll say to you, the teachers and the educators will say, well, what do you take out? And to be fair, the teachers and the educators are not those who design the curriculum. The department designs the curriculum. Mm. And I don't know how many of them are teachers and educators. The teachers and educators are those who loved the children and loved their subjects enough to try to impart that to them. And that's in a place like Finland, where the school system is very interesting, teachers and educators are some of the most respected members of society because they understand that the future of the country is the children. Mm. And those teachers and educators are nurturing the children to mind the country. And there's nothing nationalistic in that. That's, that's the future. And they understand that. And so teachers and educators are, in my understanding, I've never been to Finland, I wish I could, they're, they're well paid, they're mm. highly educated, and they're very well respected. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's it's not a has been kind of a job, and it's 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 really giving teachers the respect they deserve for the job they did, because they love what they do and they love whom they're 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 engaging with every day. Mm. There has to be, like you said, there has to be another way. Uh, it's above my pay grade and possibly yours to devise what it is, but there has to be. There has to be what we do suits some kids. And that's great. They love the challenge. But life isn't always about competition. We try to teach collaboration. We know we work generally, work better in a team. But at school, it's about competition. Mm. Now, someone's going to tell me that they're bringing in collaboration for the junior cert. And that's fine. They are. And that's grand. That's great. That's been a good change. And it takes some of the pressure off the exam. But leaving cert hasn't changed. And it doesn't matter. I, I have the the, the honour of doing the parents' speech at my, my daughter's graduation night. And one of the things I said was something along these lines, you know, what's important about life and the leaving cert doesn't matter. Now, I said it far more eloquently, obviously, because I was prepped. But how many of the kids took that away? Uh, you know, I was trying to reach my own daughter and her friends whom I love. And how many of them really took that away? Mm-hmm. Thinking, you know, that wonderful teacher whom dear was referring to. He, he did very well to reach Dermot at that time, at he that did. critical stress he time. And that's I don't know how many of the kids I reached. He said, he said he's never met anyone in life whose life was ruined by their leaving cert results. His name was yeah. Padraig McCorhick. He's still teaching in Carrigan-Navarre. Yeah. Wise, wise man. It's, and and it's, it's absolutely true. But the difficulty for the kids is when they go into even primary school, but in particular secondary school, when the whole peer dynamic becomes important, it's like a rolling wave. So they're moving along through the school with their peers. They socialise with them in school. They sit with them in school. They compete against them in school. Then they go outside of school after hours. They engage them again. They talk to them on social media. It's all the same. So all those kids, their friends, their gang is moving on. And if you don't get what they expect you to get or you expect yourself to get to keep up with them, then at that time, with that young brain that's just maturing, you're the worst in the world. You failed. <laughs> yeah. You'll always be that. It's part of being a parent of there a teenager. You You'll always be that. But you know yeah. what, Marcy, you said your oldest is 21. And my daughter will be 26 in October. And I'll tell you this, she's one of my dearest friends. 
in the whole world. Yeah, that's beautiful. It comes back. It comes back. It comes back. It does. It does, and I can see it coming back in mine as well. The one thing they do teach me is that I will never learn it all. Like, they're all so different. They've all dealt with school and life so differently. Um, And that's a lesson, again, for designing a school and educational system. Every single one of them is so different. So, yeah, we can pigeonhole to some extent, but we have to be kinder. Okay. so that they develop that resilience internally. Maybe someday there'll be a different system, but for now we're stuck with it. Marcia, thank you. Marcia Dalton, Councillor Marcia Dalton, and the best of luck to yours who are doing Leaving and Junior. Oh, God, Leaving and Junior. How does Mother calm down at night after all that? 0818 96 96 96. Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Line. With Hidden Hearing, focused solely on your hearing health for over 35 years. They're all ears. Visit hiddenhearing.ie. Cork's 96 FM. Question 10. What chess piece moves first? The pawn. So you actually got 9 out of 10. Woohoo! I'm delighted. I know. And then the one that you obviously had doubts about, uh, what chess piece moves first? The correct answer, unfortunately, is pawn. You've just won 2,000 euros! You buy a defibrillator now. <laughs> I know, I know. Now that I've won the two grand, everything is great. Lads, you've made my day and my daughter. We're just over the mountain. Congratulations. Well done. Thanks yeah. a million. Stacking up the cash. 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 With two grand a minute. Listen to play at 7.40 and 8.40 every day. On Casey and Ross in the morning. Cork's 96 FM. And yes, the marking of leaving cert papers. What would you like to say? Good morning. Good morning, PJ. Yeah, I just wanted to to follow up on what you're talking about there about the leaving cert. You know, all the work they put in, everything that goes on. And when you when your children, you know, when all that's done, they're sent off the marking and you'd assume everything is hunky-dory with the marking. Unfortunately, the marking system leaves a lot to be desired. Mm. Um, a couple of years back, my daughter did her leaving cert. And when the results came out, she was distraught with two of the papers. Well, a couple of the papers, but two in particular. And so, PJ, I didn't have two cents to rub together. I had to borrow the money to get the papers rechecked. It's 40 euro to get each paper rechecked. And in both of them, when the results eventually came back, now it takes quite a while, she jumped in her grades. And so, therefore, she got enough points to get her place in college, which... At that stage, she had been denied. Yeah. So now she had been offered a place in college, but it was six, seven weeks into the college term already. And so she felt there was no point in starting it then. So she waited a year. She went and did a a PLC course instead. I see. And, And that was fine. And she loved the PLC course and it was great. But my point is, when you send away your, your exams, you know, when you're finished that paper and you hand it back up to the examiner, you're doing that in the full faith that the, the marking is being done correctly. Yeah. And yeah. that is not the case. And she was one of many that year who got papers rechecked and their grades went up. Yeah. Sometimes and that can be down think- to the, the fact that a certain parts of the marking scheme are left down to the opinion of the marker. And if one Possibly. marker thinks you deserve 10 marks for that answer and yeah. another marker that thinks you, thinks you deserve 12 marks for that 
answer, mm, then mm. you just down to who you have on the day. Yeah, absolutely. But is that not completely and utterly wrong, PJ, when all the work that they've put into it? And I love the quote that you came up with, or you attributed to another gentleman. You know, nobody's life has been ruined by not passing their leaving cert. Correct. But all the work that they put into it, they should at least have a proper marking system attributed to it. Yes. It is not fair to just leave it down to an opinion. Yeah. Surely now, that is unfair on the student. What Dermid said happens, for example, with the uh, maths, this maths paper, the hero marking, this difficult maths paper, is there will be a marking scheme defined mm-hmm. and then yeah. each marker will maybe do 10 or 15 or 20 papers. They will be given back then and they'll be reviewed, and if it's a thing that the results aren't going as they should go, the marking scheme mm-hmm. will be reviewed again. So th- there's a mm-hmm. kind of a constant look at the marking scheme once the correcting begins. And now that so many yeah. people were upset about the maths last Friday, even the State Examinations mm-hmm. Commission have said, look, we will, we will take this into account when we're marking the paper. So the marking scheme seems mm-hmm. to be something of a movable feast. It is, it is. And that's that's definitely a very, very good thing. But the point I'm trying to make though, PJ, is is that when you send out when those examiners send off the papers and stuff like that, you should be fairly confident in that what's been marked is being done correctly. Mm. And you shouldn't have to be, you know, like for me at the time, I did not have the money, PJ. I had to borrow yeah. the eighty euro yeah. to get the papers checked. What if I could have afforded to get every one of them rechecked. Would she have jumped by 22 yeah. grades? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? It's it's just not a fair system. Mm. And like my son is going to be doing the Leaving Cert next year. And I can assure you, if he feels when the results come out that he did better than what the markers are saying, then yeah, we are going to get them rechecked as well. Yeah. But again, it's just an unfair system. Mm. Uh, you know, it is an unfair system. And as I said to Marcia, it is an unfair system. But it's Mm -hmm. training people for a world that isn't very fair. And and everyone who says there's got to be a better way, and we all, many of us would agree there's got to be a better way. We need to find one. Absolutely. Well, this is the thing. We need to find one. And I suppose the one thing, the one good thing, I suppose, that came out of COVID was the the continual assessment that went on as opposed to the exams. But but can you remember the ructions when we thought that might... Yeah, but do you remember the ructions when when that might be a permanent thing, (laughs) you know? We did, we did, I know. But I suppose it's up to all of us maybe to, to kind of broaden our, our thinking when it comes to the likes of these, you know, very serious state exams. Mm. Yes, of course, we need to build our children to be able to take on the pressures of certain things. But these state exams, when, you know, as we said, their brains aren't fully matured, they don't work properly at that hour of the morning, that's the way they go. You know, do we have to come up with just a better system all round? Mm. And sure, look, PJ, in a probably about 20 years' time, we'll still be having the same conversation. Absolutely. Maybe not you and I, but uh, other people. Absolutely. Our, our grandchildren might get some change from the system. And Ed, thank you. 0818969696. Yeah, to quote that again, this is from Dearbin McCarthy's old teacher, Padraig McCorhig, who still teaches in Cloch de Crinefa in Carrig Navarre. He said he'd never met anyone whose life was ruined by their leaving search results. And he said that to them in their leaving search year. He'd never met anyone who 
whose life had been ruined by their leaving search results. If you never take one another piece of wisdom from this programme, take that. Andrew says, PG, on the subject of the leaving search, I've always men- maintained it's not a test of intelligence, just a test of memory. You could have the most intelligent student get nervous on the day and forget things. It really is time that this exam and the junior cert were changed. And again, Andrew, you're you're joining that choir that says it's got to change. I believe it's got to change. Annette believes it's got to change. Marcia believes it's got to change. God help us. Everyone says it's got to change. But change to what? Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. Right, talking to Vera earlier on. I'll do the song after this one, lads. Um, talking to Vera earlier on about her husband James, who will be waiting thirteen years for a cataract operation. So to recap, he had a cataract done nine years ago. Uh, he was told at the time he's going to need to have the second one done. He's waiting since. They had a meeting in February with a doctor. He was referred forward to CUH and he's now been told he's got to see this particular consultant and there's a four-year waiting list for that consultant. So by the time the man who is now, by the way, 83, would get his cataract operation, you could be looking at a 13-year waiting list. And I suggested to Vera, what about the bus? And we contacted Michael Collins, TD. Michael, 13 years. Yeah. Incredible. 13 years is an astonishing situation for a man at 83 years of age, now, you know. And the, and the scenario of which I've, I painted there, the, the rough summary, you've come across that before. We have, uh, but like 13 is a new for me, uh, 9 is a new for me too. I, we've had 5 in 6 years, which to me was staggering to say the least, for 25 minutes surgery and, and, and 1 hour recovery, and that's what most people had left yesterday morning are, are doing this morning in, in, in Belfast and will be home this evening. And again next Saturday and the Saturday week. So, uh, gee, uh, Neil, it's a shocking thing that somebody has to wait nine years. It's, it tells you that the health system in this country is completely on its knees. If it, was a thing that, if it was a thing that James and Vera wanted to go on the bus, and if there, if he was a suitable case, shall we say, how how quickly yes. could they get on that bus, Michael? Well, I, I certainly, um, obviously the bus is coming home today. There's a bus going up Saturday is full, and I haven't dealt with the list for the following week. I can easily fit him in on the 24th of June if he wants to go up. That's only next Saturday week, basically. So that's how quick uh, turnaround uh, this is. And, and tell and, me, again, how, how would you know, for example, that the journey isn't wasted? By, by, by which I mean, you get on the bus in Cork, with your, with your, all full of hope, and then you get yeah. to a consultant in Belfast, and he says, "Oh Christ, I can't do this one." How do you know that's not going to happen? Thankfully, it's rare enough because number one, um, the hospital will be once I have identified a date, and the people are happy to go on that date. That I get the hospital to ring them, so they have a specialist on the phone, and they go through everything medically with them just to make sure they're medically fit and that they're not on a medication that may not suit and, and may have to be put off for a week or two. Or, you know, or could be on a treatment of some other sort. All that will be asked of them. And once they clear all those hurdles, 
they'll go. Now, 99.999% of the time, Neil, they come back with their operation. But sometimes they could have blood pressure problems or something right. that they hadn't been looked after, and well, that'll be identified yeah. above, and that, unfortunately, they won't be operated on. But usually, I meet them when they come back, and I say, okay, go to your doctor, get your medication, make sure you have your medication, and I'll see you after about three to four weeks again. So I give them that ease of mind, but look, that's a rare so occurrence. F- for the most part, everything is fine. So what we might do is we might put you in touch with Vera off air, secret something be sorted. Now, on the money game, there's a there's a shortfall. I took another call there earlier on from someone. They're not giving us back as much as they used to. No, there's there's different. Uh, well, look, they have to pay for the transport. Uh, the bus is sixty euros each for people that are going up. It's a hundred and thirty they pay themselves for the hotel above for the room. That's none of them two things are uh, reimbursable, unfortunately. The operation, it costs between consultation operation about 2150 or nearly 22 um, in the north, and they, they used to get 1870 back. Uh, I have been told last week that that's dropping. For some reason, the HSE are dropping to 1700. I haven't that confirmed to me yet, but I'm checking that out. But unfortunately, it's very, very unfortunate. That's the situation because not alone are they punishing them uh, here and not giving them an operation, they're punishing them going out. Uh, by by re- reducing their reimbursement, which is terrible. But at least, look, they have their sight. That's very important. Absolutely. Some people leave it and leave it till it's too late, and that's a very serious situation they find themselves in. And, and lastly, in terms of the finance, and I know I've talked to the people who go to Spain for treatments, that the, the credit unions have a lovely handy deal going on there. They have, in fairness, uh, the credit unions have always been How very, very good. How the bus? The whole way, when you go to the credit union, and I have loads of people think there, uh, they, they they talk to the credit union person. They tell them uh, about this cross border initiative. They know it's fully uh, sponsored by the basically paid by, uh, by the government, as uh, such so a state guaranteed. So they know they're going to get their money back, and they give them uh, a bridging loan. Most people can cover some of it, but not all of it. You know, yeah. sorry about the the fact that it's me, but um, they, they can um, that'll cover. The, they, they they give them enough money to cover the operation, and when they get their money back in five weeks, they go back and hand it back. And if there's a shortfall, they pay that. Uh, but I say. It might cost them maybe a couple of hundred extra okay. after maybe 12 months of starting. Okay. Like, you know. Well, look, if we put you and, and Vera in touch off the air, Michael, and see, you'd, you'd say there'd be an opening on the bus if James could be ready. There'd be an opening on the bus on the 24th of June, which is like Saturday week, as opposed to four years to see a consultant. Let's put them in touch off the air and see what we can sort out. Michael, thank you. That's uh, independent TD for Cork Southwest. Michael Collins. 0818 96 96 96. Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Line. With Hidden Hearing, changing lives with the latest hearing health technology. They're all ears. Visit hiddenhearing.ie. Cork's 96 FM. If I was to ask you who was one of the best comedy characters to drop onto our television screens in the last 20 years, I think certainly this one would be right at the top of the table. I mean, these one-liners. He's very sick at the moment. Bedridden, in fact. What caused it? Jack Daniels. Or beauties like this. Sweet suffering, Jehovah. Or the one that's become a meme, with the rolling of the eyes. Christ. <laughs> Sister Michael from Dirty Girls, uh, portrayed by Siobhan McSweeney from Cork portrayed so well so brilliantly that this happened and the BAFTA goes to Siobhan McSweeney 
Right, so I've been warned to not do a political statement or to be like really, really boring or sad and stuff. So I'm going to start with a funny bit. As my mother lay dying in the Bon Secures Hospital in Cork, one of the very last things she said to me was, would I not consider retraining as a teacher if she could see me now getting a BAFTA for playing a teacher? Joke's on you, ma'am! Thank you. Who knew that getting drunk and making each other laugh for decades would pay off? Thank you for giving me Sister Michael and not listening to me when I said I could play all the girls' parts. Thank you, BAFTA. I wanted this so much. Thank you for giving it to me, especially considering the other nominations. Um, Channel 4, you have my devotion. Don't fire me. Hattrick, you're very clever for picking up this script. Well done. Liz Lewin, Caroline Leddy, Brian Faulkner, you're fantastic uh, producers. Thank you, our extraordinary crew. Clarky, I love you. Thank you for reminding me. Mike Lennox, you're a brilliant director, my darling girls. Louise and Nicola, the whole lot of them. Peter, I love you all. Uh, to Kevin Brady, my agent and my pal for seeing everything all at all at AHA talent to my chosen family and friends, I'm everything because of you, to the people of Cork who supported me despite the fact I'm not Killian Murphy I know that has that has been very difficult for you to my brother, to my mother and father who aren't in here but I'm going to be quick because it has to be to the people of Derry Thank you for taking me into your hearts and your living rooms. I am daily impressed with how ye encompass the spirit of compromise and resilience despite the indignities, ignorance and stupidity of your so-called leaders in Dublin, Stormont and Westminster. In the words, in the words of my beloved sister Michael, it's time they started to wise up. Thank you so much. Well, I had to play that whole speech. There was no way you could leave any of it out. Siobhan McSweeney, your beloved sister, Michael, who we love and would be terrified of if she was to be in front of us. <laughs> Siobhan, good morning. <laughs> good morning, PJ. Yes, I'd be quite scared of her as well. Thankfully, she isn't here, as when, far as I know. When you took on that role, Siobhan... Did you expect her to become the megastar she became and the rolling of the eyes and the one-liners? What a script, what a character to get your teeth into. I know, right? Yeah, yeah, what a gift. I mean, that sort of once in a lifetime, really. Um, I had no idea, absolutely no idea. Like, PJ, the, the nature of this business is that you can never tell what's going to be a hit and what isn't going to be a hit. All you do is that you try your best with every job. And I knew that these were amazing scripts and I knew that we were all throwing our hearts and souls into it. But the reaction was, um, you, you couldn't have imagined it. I still can't imagine it. You know, I still don't understand it in a way, but um, it's very lovely because it's been very positive. You know, people... Mm. When they come up to me, they, they usually have something really quite nice to say about it. And um, yeah, do, do they roll their eyes and go, "Christ"? <laughs> yes, they do. But that could that could just be because of me. <laughs> no, that was always one of my favourites. Christ, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. And and then, like, what do you think was the magic of Derry Girls to the point where they now have their own mural in the city? I don't know. I think. I think. I th- the writing was amazing. I think when you're very specific about something, it actually ironically makes it more universal. So I get contacted from people in India and all over the world who who really connect with it. And you wouldn't think that 
a show set in the 90s in Northern Ireland would would connect with with, uh, with such an international audience. But that's the way it has. I also think that there was an audience waiting to show young women being fools, being the clowns themselves and not just being the, the arm candy, the frustrated mother or the eye-rolling girlfriend. These were the protagonists in their own lives. You know, I think I think there was an audience waiting for that of, mm. of young women wanting to see that as well. Yeah. Uh, who knows? It's an X factor. The magic was when they put that statue in, in your hand. Um, <laughs> what, what a moment. Oh my God! What a moment is right. Yeah, yeah. I still, I still can't believe it. Um, I still can't believe it. It seems it, it, it was something I, I always wanted when I was a, a, a little girl and getting older and sort of wanting to be an actor. And mm. you know, it was a p- pretty spectacular moment. I'm not going to lie. What your red carpet interview on the way in? I watched it again. And you wanted this so, so much. And to get at this, you had, it looked like you had the speech already written. Well, when I got nominated, it was so unexpected that I made a promise to myself. The sort of natural inclination is to sort of um, undersell yourself and sort of to, to put the head down and go, oh, sure, I don't care, you know, blah, blah, blah. But, you know, that, that would have been a lie. And I vowed to myself to enjoy every moment and every aspect of it. Mm-hmm. And one of the aspects of it, one of the sort of great joys of being nominated is that, if you win, you get to thank all the people who have and give credit to so many people that have helped you along the way. So, yeah, damn right I had a script written. Otherwise, it would have been three or four minutes of me going, uh, 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 which is very boring. And I would have missed out on an opportunity to thank the people closest to me who have helped me. So I made sure I had a script written. You ended up at one of the highlights of the Baptists because it's the one that they're playing over and over again was your acceptance speech which play great homage to your Cork roots. You're a very proud Cork woman. You'll be back here for the Midsummer Festival and I'll talk about that in a second. But Graham Norton's wonderful series. I really enjoyed it and I really enjoyed you in it. That was Thank you. To be, to be back on your native soil doing a show like that. How important was that to you? This is holding... That was really important. I loved the scripts. I loved playing the role of Breed down in West Cork. Uh, I mean, I, I come from Arhila, but my mum was from Bear and dad from Coulee. So I know that part of the country very well. And to tell a story and to play a part that I don't feel is often seen mm. um, on our screens and to celebrate how wonderful and beautiful Cork is. Uh, it was a dream come true, really. I'm very proud of that show. Very happy doing it. I only wish there was more done in Cork so that I could um, yeah. I could, I could, could offer my services. <laughs> it was a gorgeous piece of television. Some phenomenal storylines and acting and scenes. Yeah, very special. And I think very special. You know, we had uh, Dominic Treadwell-Collins, whose father is from that area and, you know, still spends so much of the year down there. Karen Cogan, another Cork woman who who wrote the scripts as well. You know, like it, it felt there's a lot. What frustrates me is that there's lots of stories that haven't been told mm. and there are lots of um, characters that haven't been played. And this seems like a real chance to sort of do those things. There's more of it you happening know. in Cork as well, which is great and more of it going forward. Talk to me about the Midsummer Festival, Siobhan. You're back playing Beckett. Some change from, from Sister Michael. 
You know, you say that, but Bacchus loved a gag. He loved a joke. Mm. Um, I, and I, I, I think, if I'm honest with you, I think the so-called problem with Beckett is the received idea that people have that he's, you know, perhaps inaccessible and too highbrow. And I think that's the fault of previous productions that have failed in showing the sort of great humour and humanity that he has in these scripts. So hopefully, I mean, uh, you know, I'm setting myself up for a fail here now, but certainly myself and Katrina McLaughlin, our intention and Landmark Productions' intention in doing this is to show how accessible Winnie is. It's it's funny that you should say what you said because... I would have said, oh great, Siobhan McSweeney is going to be at the Midsummer Festival. I wonder what that's going to be about. And then Samuel Beckett goes, oh Christ. You know. (laughs) (laughs) It's... I think, God, it's very annoying. It's, it, that's really annoying because there's there's great humour and life and yeah. wit. And, and, you know, he's been sort of taken over by the pseudo-intellectuals, you know. And there's actually, listen, come and see it, PJ. And if we have failed, I'll buy you a pint. It's a win-win situation. <laughs> it's, it's a short play and I, we are working very hard. And it says something to our experience now. It talks, I mean whatever about before COVID, but to show a person stuck in the same routine day in, day out, feeling that the, that the, you know, you're getting more and more trapped, that the water is getting higher and higher and higher. I mean, we all know what that feels after shielding and cocooning and COVID and what have you. We still know what it feels. We still have that memory of it. It wasn't that long ago. And for so many people, it's still their reality now. And if we can do that with a gag and a bit of a and a gin and tonic at the interval in the Cork Opera House. Sure, what's not to love? Why not? Why not? I think I might see you there. Good, good. L- lastly, come back to the, the the BAFTA speech, which I thought the funniest line was you said, uh, not to start with anything drab and dreary, as I, <laughs> as, <laughs> as you spoke to your mother on her deathbed. But, but seriously, Siobhan, what do you think she'd make of it all, all these years later? Oh, I know, I know, like, oh, so, like when I won, you know, my friends and, and neighbours and everybody who'd have known her and family and stuff, we were all sort of thinking that. And my dad, of course, and my, my, my aunt who's passed away as well, what they'd be thinking. I think, I think they'd be roaring with laughter, if I'm honest with you. My mother would be laughing at how, how, you know, nobody nobody could see this coming, least of all me. So I don't think she'd have seen it coming. Um, so hopefully she's she's laughing, laughing somewhere. Hopefully she is. And what would Sister Michael say, I wonder? She wouldn't give a damn. <laughs> I can assure you. And she'd, she'd probably be rolling have a... her eyes somewhere and drinking a whiskey. She'd, she'd probably have a killer one-liner for it. Siobhan, That's it. a pleasure and thank you. And I'll see you at the Opera House. Uh, thank you so much, PJ. Mind yourself. You too, Siobhan. Have a great week. Running at the Opera House for the week with the Midsummer Festival opening on the 14th, which is tomorrow. Uh, five performances of Happy Days by Samuel Beckett. I think I might try and get myself in there uh, before the weekend. I- I'd love to see what she does with it. Because she's right. A lot of the Beckett stuff was taken over by the, the pseudo-intellectuals. I promised you this before I would finish. The... Um, how how do you get a better night's sleep by licking your wrists on the nights that are ahead of us which are going to be hot and humid and sticky and warm and you know what 
I'm delighted because I love a bit of summer heat and even if it is uncomfortable at night, we'll get through it, we'll be grand. Lick your wrists in a minute, hog the bed, try to sleep on your own, go into the spare room, sharing a bed uh, in this kind of weather, you just get too hot. Take a warm bath before you go to bed because your circulation will respond to it and cool you off better. Don't go commando. God, the, even the perished the thought of me going to commando. Don't go commando. Do not sleep in the nude on a hot night. You sweat too much and it goes into the sheets and you end up in a wet bed. Um, wear something very light in, in bed. Some light cotton pyjamas or whatever. Uh, that's fine. Plants in the room. Apparently plants in the room soak up hot air. This was put together by a sleep expert, so I'm, I'm assuming it's correct. Uh, sleep like a baby. Sleep on your side. Don't sleep. Um, don't sleep on your back or on your belly. Sleep on your side. I don't know why. It's just... An, and lick your wrists. Why would you lick your wrists? You would lick your wrists because... Oh, don't freeze your bedclothes is another one. Don't freeze your bedclothes. I mean, that's kind of idiotic anyway. Open up the, the styra. If you have a styra or a hatch, in the, open up the styra and the hot air from the landing will run up into the attic. Now, the attic is already like uh, a hot box anyway if it's insulated, but apparently it works. I don't know whether it works or not. Don't lick, well, lick your wrists. Why would you lick your You would lick your wrists because our, rest, our wrists, like our hands and our feet, have blood vessels close to the surface of the skin, which expel heat fast. If you lick your wrists, <laughs> the fast-acting cooling will help you drift to sleep without you need to get out of bed. You can try it all you want. I don't know whether it'll work or not for you. I really don't. But don't, but lick your, if you can't sleep tonight, lick your, lick your wrists. People have been arrested for for less. Or as Sister Michael might say. Christ. There you go. All right. Do we have a winner for this? The only respectable thing about you, old sport, is your money. Your money, that's it. I have just as much as you. That means we're equal. I'll give you one before we're out of here. Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Line. With Hidden Hearing. Focus solely on your hearing health for over 35 years. They're all ears. Visit hiddenhearing.ie. Cox 96 FM. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hey, Drew Scott here, and I'm Jonathan Scott, reminding you that life's better with a home policy from American Family Insurance. They can help you get just the right protection at just the right price and help you save when you bundle home and auto. Kind of like Goldilocks and the Three Bears. It'll be just right for you. We love a custom build. American Family Insurance. Insure carefully. Dream fearlessly. Get a quote and find an agent at AmFam.com. Products not available in every state. Visit AmFam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin.